Welcome to the OKC First podcast. Together, we're learning to do three things. Friendship with God. Friendship with one another. And open friendship for the sake of the world. For more information about OKC First, please visit OKCFirst.com. Hello, and welcome to another edition of our conversational podcast series here at OKC First. My name is Zach Lucero, and I am the youth and creative pastor. Sitting across from me is John Mendorf, senior pastor. Hello, John. Hello, young Zach. It's good, good to, to be, be back in my office again. It is. It Appar- is. Apparently people like this, so, we're, <laughs> so we got renewed. Good. <laughs> Looking great. forward to it. Yeah. So also in the room, full disclosure to everyone in podcast world, we have another person in the room. Is Tamara Hughes, our worship pastor at OKC First. Hello. Hey, Tamara. Hi. Thanks for having me. Yeah, congrats on being the first guest. That's pretty I've special. I've never been on a podcast, and to be the first guest is quite the honor. Yeah. <laughs> As it no should no idea be. just yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Why don't we come back to that in yeah. a little bit? Um, thank you, listeners, for your wonderful feedback. Shouts to Mindy Basket and Faith Sinclair for some really affirming and encouraging words, as well as... Uh, John Michael McGinnis, who, did he used to intern here at some point? He did. He was a fantastic intern. You were paid to say that, weren't you? Before the accident. Oh. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. No, he was great. We loved having John Michael around. I've followed his career as he's moved on, and he, he brought up a great a great topic. And so we'll just do the one on, on Sabbath theology here with a friend of mine who has studied that for several years now, uh, Logan Kruk. Yeah, I, that's going to be great. We have that scheduled for next week, I think. Great. Or at least we're going to record it next week. Who knows when it's released? Only we do. All right. Uh, and so because of the feedback we received, we also have some exciting news for you all, including a fresh new title for this podcast series. And uh, my notes say to pass it off to John. So I'm going to pass it off to you to unveil this new title. Okay. I think what we're going to – I think we're going to call this, this podcast Unafraid and then uh... – Subtitle it, Faithful Conversations at OKC First. Um, one of the, the more uh, popular, for lack of a better term, one of, one of the phrases that comes up so often in Scripture is fear not, fear not, fear not. We are encouraged by God and Christ to, and, and even angelic voices to, uh, to not fear. And I... I I know now, after being a pastor in, in the church for several uh, years, that sometimes that fear reaches all the way into the church, and it keeps us from having some of the conversations that we probably ought to have. For fear that things will get awkward or things uh, will tread on really sacred ground, um, but I think we, we don't improve, we don't get beyond these things because we don't talk about them. So, uh, on a podcast called Unafraid, we're going to broach some of these subjects, and some of them will be somewhat cringeworthy, I would imagine, and some won't, but uh, looking forward to having these conversations with all of you and for all of you. Yeah, when we talked about this last week, uh, sort of the idea started brewing, and we, we, we talked about what if we, what if we shared some of these conversations that we have around our table uh, in staff meeting on Wednesdays or sometimes with our full-timers. Um, what would that look like if we, we let people in on those, on those conversations and what we're having? And so I think this is going to be really special. Um, and we, we've already been generating a list of ideas, um, of topics and, uh, guests to bring on again, if you have any ideas for us, if there's something that you want us to talk about, uh, email info at okcfirst.com. That's the easiest way to get hold of us. 
and that'll get passed on to John and I. Yeah. And yeah, I think. Should we talk a little bit about some of the things that are on that list? So give people some idea of what we're talking about. Yeah, for sure. I, I think I think we can have some conversations. We're going to have a conversation today about worship, and that that can get sideways sometimes, depending on what church you're in. We're going to talk about divorce. Uh, we're going to talk about what happens when blended families continue to come to church, uh, broken families come to church together. We're going to talk about partisan politics and what it's like to have Republicans and Democrats in the same pew. Uh, what does neighborhood ministry look like? Why is Sunday still the most segregated day of the week? Just those kinds of things. Um, Donor relations, Some, sometimes it'll be big as society, and, and other times it'll be as small as the church. So uh, donor relations, discipline within the church, those kinds of things. And, and we hope, our hope is that this will be itself a, a gift to other pastors and churches. And so our, our first topic today uh, with Tamara will be about worship, a, a topic which uh, has been the, the subject of a lot of difficult conversations in a lot of different churches, including ours. And so we thought we would go ahead and, and talk with our favorite worship pastor here and um, have her walk us through how she navigates some of those those difficult situations. So. Mm-hmm. Glad to be here with you, Tamara. Yeah, I'm really glad to be here. I don't think I'm going to answer any questions, but I will <laughs> share in the struggle I think that we all have. Mm-hmm. No, that's perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that's awesome. I, I'm such a context guy, and so uh, as we start, and, and we don't have any kind of, we don't have like a, a set blueprint that we're going to work off of, but like being a context guy, like I really want to know like where you came, like where you came from, like where you come from musically, um, where you come from uh, theologically. Um, kind of what's your view of how your view of worship has kind of morphed and shaped over the years? Yeah. Well, I am a PK uh, from the West Texas District. Um, And yeah, so I grew up in the church in a Nazarene church um, in West Texas, small Nazarene church. And then my dad was a pastor of a small Nazarene church um, all growing up and then came to SNU my freshman year of college and started coming to OKC first really quickly within that first year and connected with John and Mike Laughlin and several and Brandon Whiteside when he was on staff here and um, have been involved and attending here since since that time that was 2008 okay yeah so 11 years yeah getting up there um And I was an intern here. I was like an unofficial intern and then an official intern, all of that. And so, yeah, pretty much Nazarene to the bone. And that's my (laughs) theological background. (laughs) And, yeah. Does that answer your question? It does. And yet yet I think uh, you have been such a good student. You have traveled theologically. Yeah, absolutely. Can you tell us what have been the vehicles, right, to have moved you theologically over the years? Man, oh, so many things. A lot of listening and trusting. Um, One of the biggest things for me was disciple. Yeah. Going through disciple was really hard because I was trying to look at the Bible through a a lens that had been formed from 
the culture that I was surrounded in in West Texas and in Oklahoma and just uh, life that had surrounded me made me interpret the Bible a certain way. And it was really difficult to just read the Bible for what it was saying. For folks who may not attend our church, who mm-hmm. might be listening, can you give us just a quick snapshot? What is Disciple? Disciple is a 36-week look at the Bible from start to finish where we just trace the story of God, basically, mm-hmm. and um, try to see it which within the lens of the of the author and, and the correct lenses, basically. Yeah. So I remember a specific dis- discussion with my spiritual director and I was just just struggling to get through all of this. And by the end of the the whole course, you read sixty percent of the Bible. And I was just really struggling to to take it all in. And she said, "You're just carrying these huge bags, just weights. And can you just sit those down and just read the Bible?" Hmm. And I was like man, that is exactly what I'm doing. I'm just carrying around this luggage everywhere. Like, I have to think this and I have to think that. Can I just sit them down and read the Bible? And and that's what I finally did. And just being in rooms with John and Jason and Zach and talking about all these things, it really has been a transformation since 2008 to 2019. Yeah. Yeah. And you mentioned spiritual direction as well. Uh, yeah. Tell us a little bit about that and and how it it has impacted your your life of prayer even. Yeah, absolutely. So I talk about spiritual direction a lot because it has greatly formed me. And I've been doing spiritual direction since 2013, which is where um, monthly you sit down with a spiritual director, somebody who's been trained in is it heart paths? Is that what it's called? Well, they're, they're being trained in spiritual direction, but the the local establishment you might say is the Heart Paths Academy. Okay, yeah. yeah. Um, and so they just have extensive knowledge of different kinds of prayers, different kinds of meditation, but just uh, great theology on prayer. And so I sit with um, Sue Ann Lively hmm. every month, and she just asks me a simple question, what's going on? And we just talk about life, and she helps me to see where God has shown up, hmm. helps me to see how the ways that God has shown up in my past is affecting me in the present. I mean, Suanna sat with me for six years, so she knows a big chunk of my story. And she's able to say, you know, you're going through this now. Do you remember when you went through this? And she can help me connect these dots hmm. that I, I sometimes need someone from the outside to look in and help me, help me see um, how God's moving in my life. And the other thing is just on prayer, helping me realize that, um, well, what Sue Ann says is anything that draws your mind to God is prayer. So it helps me to go through my day realizing that I am constantly praying. And knowing that shapes my life of prayer and it shapes my theology about God. So, um, yeah, it's just been, it's just been a huge resource for me. Yeah. And it was a great resource for me during Disciples specifically. I, I think we, we probably should say if, if folks have questions about spiritual direction or if yeah. folks have questions about Disciple, if you will email those questions to info at okcfirst.com, we can get someone like Sue Ann Lively to contact you about 
spiritual direction, or Jason Smith, who's sort of the guru of the Disciple Bible study around here, get Jason to contact you about the next opening in our Disciple class. But I just, I just wanted people to know how it is that you have come to this day with the understanding of worship that you're, you're going to end up talking about today. Yeah, lots of hours of reading and studying and talking with people who are much smarter than me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So moving into that, the topic of worship or on my, on my list here, I, I just have a few bullet points of, I mean, very simply, what is worship? How do we worship? And why do we worship? Mm. And you can even throw in a, where do we worship? Um, uh, and, and so I, I want to move into that and, and really just starting with that first one in your, um, in your heart and your mind and in your experience and these lenses that you're now looking through, like what, what is worship to you? Yeah, that's, I mean, we can go super broad with that, right? Yeah. Worship is the ways in which we honor God and, and orient ourselves towards God. And I do think that that can be done outside of a church building. For sure. Um, yeah. But it is very important that we do that within a church building, too. Um, so there's... Sometimes I think the, con- the, the term worship just applies to music, and we don't really say that around here. Mm-hmm. Worship is the whole liturgy from mm-hmm. start to end. We do such specific things um, to how we come and receive communion with our hands, and, and that liturgy, those, those things within the liturgy um, are worship. So specifically, though, talking about music as worship within this podcast, um, I just think that it's a time when we come together, and I, I'll quote Brandon Whiteside, um, worship is when we put uh, sacred words on the lips of our people and um, come oh, to reorient pretty. ourselves towards God. Mm-hmm. Through music, yeah, and we, and we're I'm, I'm, we use a, a phrase every week during what we call the call to worship, um, and I want I just kind of want to hear you respond to it. We say each week, uh, God's mind about you is made up, and the news is good. So we don't worship uh, believing that we can somehow make God feel something for us that God doesn't always already feel for us. We we sing in grateful response. How, how does that um, impact you as you were preparing and then leading us in worship? Yeah. So that question really makes me think about prayer. Mm-hmm. Um, why do we pray in hopes that God is going to change his mind and we can convince God to, to do something that he wasn't already going to do? Um, that, that question for me is still kind of up in the air, but just like changing my thought on what prayer is, is just drawing my mind to God. And in relation to worship and singing, it is so freeing to me that I am not singing so that um, God will love me more, um, so that I will get, you know, more points, or something like that. But just that I'm singing because God loves me mm. and God has given me grace and and I I sing in response to that and that's that's it. I mean, the goal of of my worship is always just to reorient myself towards God and 
if that's what happens, then I have achieved worship. It's not more than that. Yeah, it right. takes a load off. Right. Because like, I, I, growing up, I mean, I, I remember the, the theology that was preached at me and, and, and that I was taught was that, I mean, if I wasn't worshiping well, if I wasn't throwing my hands up, if I wasn't being the loudest or the singing the prettiest, then maybe God's not listening. You know, that audience of one sort of yeah. mentality. That, that was huge for me growing up because I led worship at my dad's small church in high school. And I really felt like if I didn't have that moment where goosebumps, you know, came over my body or I got that lump in my throat, I thought, well, shoot, I didn't read my Bible enough this week. God didn't honor my <laughs> honor my worship and, and the whole congregation suffered. I mean, it was just a, re- a lot of pressure on me as a worship leader to create some sort of emotional response. And knowing that that's not the point of worship has been life-changing. It really has um, shaped how I how I prepare for worship and, and the songs that I choose. And it's just, it's just been great. Yeah. So one of the things I, as a, as a cynic, as one of our resident cynics, I'm, it's hard for folks to lead me in worship. It just always has been for a long time, but, and Brandon was good at this too. Brandon Whiteside, our, our former worship pastor, both Brandon and Tamara have this uncanny ability to not so much perform, but to worship in front of me. Mm-hmm. And somehow you, worshiping in front of me like you do, Tamara, draws me then into into worship. Is that something you're doing intentionally? Yes, absolutely. And so here's here's another thing, though, is that I am worshiping in front of the congregation, but I will say that not every Sunday do I feel like worshiping. Right. It's not necessarily something that I always want to be doing. Most of the time, I do feel like worshiping. That's my job. I chose a profession because I do like it. But there are days where I don't. And um, one of my uh, worship pastors uh, way back in the day said, you know, everyone says, you know, if your heart's not in it, then what's the point? If you're not if you're not feeling this and meaning every single word that you're saying, what's the point? And uh, he said, I don't, I don't think that way. Fake it till you make it. Hmm. You may not feel it, but go on stage and worship and look like you're worshiping. You don't have to necessarily, we have this, this big, like, word since Brene Brown's been around authentic right I want to be my authentic self and I totally agree with that like yes that is the most vulnerable thing to be your authentic self but it is okay to choose to worship and not feel like worshiping and I think that that is the most formative times of my worship is when I go on stage and I say I'm I'm going to I'm going to do this. I'm going to raise my hands and I'm going to sing even though I don't want to. That translates into my weekly life when I may not want to be a Christian. It's it's actually really inconvenient to be a Christian most of the time. I really have to choose to do that a lot of the time and so I feel like it's just a good good way to rehearse that 
fake it till you make it. Yeah, and being being someone in the congregation, I've I've gotten to witness a few of those moments where you clearly don't like want to be up there, but you do it and you push through, maybe even shed some tears. And for me, it permissions me to be my authentic self. It permissions me to, and it tells me, oh yeah, you don't have to be perfect. Like it's okay. Like you're having a rough week, but still show up, mm-hmm. still do it. And we'll just do this together. Yeah. Show up, go through the motions. I mean, that's Jamie King right there or Jamie Smith. Jamie Smith. That's yeah. right. And we say to our people, what, this, at the same time that we say God's mind about you is made up and the news is good, we're going to say at some point in there too, look, you may not feel it today, but listen in, lean into somebody else, and, and maybe there is something in in someone else's worship for you today. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the person next to you will have just enough faith to carry yeah. you through the week. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I hear you. You're, you're trying to guard against um, production and entertainment value that must be why you've not responded to any of my requests to have smoke machines in the sanctuary <laughs> where'd all the smoke machines yeah. go <laughs> uh but i do want to ask how and yet i know you and i know the conversations that we've had we want to do what we do well absolutely so how do you draw a balance between i guess we would call it excellence and i'm mm-hmm. that unnerves me a little bit oh I wish there was a different word, but we'll say excellence, and yet this this authentic worship mm-hmm. that you're. How do you how yeah. do you play those two I love against this one another? So much. I love yeah, it. I yeah. thought about this a lot, um, and something that the the chair of the music department, current chair Dr. Powell, said, and he didn't say it to me. I've heard it through the grapevine, but God is a God of order, and God created this magnificent earth that meticulously works together in in very detail-oriented ways. Um, and, and in that, the earth worships God, right? And so I think that it's not idolatry to say that we want to make our worship excellent. We want to make it professional. We want to have details lined out. In doing that, I believe that we are worshiping God. Now, where I feel like it gets a little bit too far is when the audience shifts from God and shifts to the consumer or the congregant. When the audience is not God and instead is the congregation, that's where I think we get a little lost. Yeah. And so while smoke machines... (laughs) (laughs) are very powerful. I will tell you, I have been to two Taylor Swift concerts. And every time Taylor walks out on stage, I'm not going to lie, I tear up. I cry a little. <laughs> <laughs> true Swifty. Confessions of a true Swifty. <laughs> um, but I'm just saying, but in that arena... I'm the audience, right? And, and that's what that's what the goal is, to make the audience feel something. Um, in the sanctuary, though, yes, I, I think that God can reach us through emotions and through the beauty of music. And, and that's one of the things, the best things about musical worship for me is, is that the way that God can reach us deeper than just intellectually. Um, but when we just go too far on that pendulum, 
to say like the point of this worship is for you to feel something is for me to feel something then to me that's idolatry Hmm. that's saying that i'm i'm the point of this worship for me to feel god and really what it is the point of worship like i've said throughout this thing is to just reorient myself towards god and sometimes that takes several sundays in a row yes i think for the rest of our lives right right (laughs) right and you use a term that i have not heard anyone else use in a conversation about worship and i kind of along these same lines i'd like for you to unpack what you mean when you say that worship has to do with muscle memory mm-hmm. right can you yeah. can you tell yeah. us a bit about that yeah it's taking me back to p- piano proficiency yeah <laughs> oh, gosh <laughs> oh man <laughs> get off on a tangent on that but yeah um <coughs> excuse me it's fine people will, we will cut that thank yeah. you yeah yeah, so okay. How long ago did you stop smoking? <laughs> Yesterday. <laughs> Onward and upward, Tamara. Yeah. You have friends in this room. Leave it in. Leave it in. Yep, leave it in. <laughs> okay. Excuse me. Okay. Um so muscle yes, muscle memory is um a, a term that I use often and it I think originated for me with the Brother Lawrence book, Practicing the Presence mm. of God. And that just, that that term practice, like we're just practicing. It's a part of your spiritual direction. Exactly, yeah. yes. Again, talk about it a lot. Um, but just doing it so often that it just becomes natural. It becomes second nature, like piano proficiency. Yeah. Um, and in worship, there are so many opportunities um to create muscle memory because it's physical it's not just sitting and thinking about something you are doing something you are using your body you're standing you're singing some people even use their hands um all of those things use your body and being christian is more than just thinking about being christian Hmm. You have to use your body to be Christian. Um, it's like that term that you have talked about. We're not just heads on a stick. We are bodies that that do things. And so um, I believe that when every Sunday, when we choose to go through the liturgy, it's it's just muscle memory, so that I can carry that into a time when it may be hard. Yeah to do something or maybe hard to choose to to be Christian. Yeah. It just comes more naturally. Yeah, and again, that is a long-term reorientation. Mhm. Right. Yeah. And and I'm, and if you would talk about this too, it seems to me, it seems to me that so much of the worship is oriented to as you have called it these these goosebump moments, goosebump mm-hmm. moments that Sometimes it's hard to liberate a conversation about worship from an individualistic sort of scope. It's all about me and what I feel. Yes. And yet you seem to understand, and it's beautiful, that worship is a team sport. That Mm -hmm. it's not about me, it's about God, and then it's about us. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about that, that sort of us understanding. Yeah, and 
it's actually, I feel like, a tragedy within some of our current worship music. It is so me-oriented. It is really difficult to find a song that uses terminology of we and us. It is all I and me. And, um, I, and so sometimes we have changed lyrics. I don't Ooh, yeah, oh. you can't say that on Never here. mind. Oh, CCLI is going to come after us. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> JK. Okay, but anyways, Joke. we wish that we could change yeah, lyrics. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> anyways, um, to be more communal. And that's one thing about singing is you can say, well, I'm not a good singer, but uh, you can sing. You can sing. Everybody has the ability to sing. And it is one way that we can come together as a body and participate in something simultaneously. It's so communal. And it's representative to me of the body of Christ, right? I mean, just such a blatant, you know, comparison that we're all different parts of the body. We're all different voices. And we come together for these few songs and and we sing as one voice. We sing, we sing truth. And like what I what I tell the youths of the of America <laughs> is, uh, I, I say there's something to be said about uh, you know you may not understand why we sing, but there's something to be said about standing shoulder to shoulder with somebody who may not look like you, mm-hmm. who may not come from the same background, maybe voted differently than you. Um, there's something to be said about that, and something unifying about that, mm-hmm. um, where we can come together and we can sing truth. Yeah. 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 And and yet, even though you do such a great job at this, this team sport uh, that we're calling worship, right, you still will have people who will write in and complain about things. I'm, I'm curious as to how Tamara, the worship leader who is worshiping in front of us, who understands that it's about God before it's about us, and when it's about us, it's about all of us. Mm-hmm. How do you handle it when someone says, man, we got to have more organ and when the next week someone says, man, we got to have less organ. Yeah. Man, that's like just the age old question. And it's been an issue and I think it will be an issue. Here's what I say. And I try to just tell myself this because it's hard. It's hard to get complaints. And especially when you're a people pleaser. And I mean, and you just can't. You can't please everyone. And so I say, I want everyone in the congregation to sing at least one song that is not their preference or style every week. Oh, I love that. So that means, yeah, good. Okay, you're being challenged in your worship. It's not just playing to your desires. You're going to have to stand there and choose to sing the song that maybe you don't like, maybe just isn't within in your your preference or style like I said and and that's okay because that creates more more muscle memory and and what's more shaping worship that feeds your preferences or worship that challenges your comfort Hmm. I would say worship that challenges you Hmm. um, because life is challenging right I mean everything that we do in worship should prepare us to go out of this place and live it out right and sometimes singing a song that you don't like can do that. I love it. I love it. It's great. 
Because I because I've sat with you when you have received some of those critiques and comments and yeah I've watched the expression on your face I know that you're a, a people pleaser yeah but again worship is church is faith is a long term proposition mm-hmm. long term so we try to help people not to be so addicted to their own snap judgments right in a moment it's okay to not like a song yeah. It might be good for you. And that being said, I do want to hear what the congregation has to say to me and to us. Um, It's not just a dismissal and saying, "Mm, get over it. You know, this is better for you. That's not what it is. It's there's a lot to be said about being kind and just listening to people. I mean, that moves you farther, I think. And being a worship pastor in general, man, you just have to be nice. Like people trust you more and hear you more. And I feel like that has served me so much better than just saying the right theological things sometimes. So I, I'm not just this person saying, yeah, I get over it. No, no, I know you're not. And in fact, you just kind of answered and I'll ask the question and it's not actually on our list here, but I was going to ask you, what kinds of things do you do off the platform or the stage when you are upfront leading worship? What kinds of things do you do off the platform as a pastor that have the most impact on you or the congregation when you then do lead worship? Mm. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. I mean, I think just being involved is huge. Yeah. People knowing your name, your face, and you knowing their name in their faces right. is huge. Um one of the biggest uh, ways that I, I feel like I connected with the congregation was when I started leading the choir, and that was before I became worship pastor, and I did that for several years, and I just met people that I wouldn't have normally come in contact with, and I feel like that was when I was able to walk through the halls and know people's names, mm-hmm. and that was just just really big and and I've had times where I've been involved in the youth group and knowing the kids names and looking out in the youth department I know you know them and and some of their stories and just being involved being a pastor there's a lot to be said about that you know I'm not just not just a singer yeah it does make a difference that that that's so interesting I I I'm about to head into summer and where where I work with uh work with the PR band from SNU Remedy. Mm-hmm. And and you were in Remedy at one point. We were in it at the same time at one point. Yeah. <laughs> and some and what I learned from those summers and what I continue to tell people in those bands is that what you do off stage might be more important <laughs> than what you do on stage. Oh, because sure. because yeah. if kids don't trust you, if the congregation doesn't trust you, how do you expect to lead them anywhere? Right. Um and so for especially at summer camp when you only get them for a week, like yeah. Yeah, you need to be playing the games with them. Yeah, you need to be learning some names so that mm-hmm. um, you can effectively lead them uh, whenever you get back on stage. I just burped. You did? Oh. Did it come oh, no, through? No, 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 we it... got to leave that in. We gotta leave yeah, that we got to leave that in. Yeah. <laughs> Playing it on John? Yeah. Tamara is very, very self-conscious about the noises that she makes on these microphones. So Got to leave that in. Actually, I did hear it. It was, it was horrifying. Yeah, can we wow. leave that in, though? Yeah, we can. Okay. I honestly didn't hear it. Um, okay. 
What a perfect time to transition to hope. Yes. <laughs> so I, I want to start this conversation. So the questions are going to be, Tamara, what, what is your hope for our worshiping community? Seeing through the, you know, the, the eyes yeah. of our worship pastor. Yeah. But, but I want to ask you, do you have a moment, and it could be more than one, that, that sticks out as your favorite or most meaningful moments uh, as our worship pastor? Yeah. Yes, so my hope for OKC First is, and this is, I think, where I'm, I'm going to be unafraid to say what I want to say. Come on. <laughs> it's not that bad, though. <laughs> <laughs> Our church is really intellectual. I mean, we have so many professors, so many former pastors. We are a smart church. And I think that sometimes OKC First specifically loses, um, well, doesn't maybe value singing Mm. as much as I wish that we did. So I hope that we can kind of regain some of that and, and kind of go beyond this intellectual ethos that we have and and go more towards the art and the beauty side of it we have great artists Mm. and great musicians in our congregation as well so don't get me wrong um but i you know and i kind of made fun of the whole taylor swift walking out on stage and crying but man some of those the most formative moments in my life have been emotionally emotionally led worship sets. I, I mean, I don't want to discount the power that God can, um, how powerful it can be when God uses the beauty of music to reach us. Mm, so I hope that we can find a little bit of, you know, regain a little bit of that. That would be great. Um, and then the other question was my favorite moment within leading worship at OKC First. And I will say it was mm, several months ago, several months ago, where I was having a a very bad day. I think kind of Zach kind of alluded to like that when it's very obvious that I I was having trouble seeing the words. And um, I just, it kind of, something happened and it, um, it became really hard for me to sing words that, you know, God loves us because it just felt like kind of everything in my life was falling apart. And I just told the church, I said, church, I'm going to need your help. I'm going to need to lean on you to sing these words for me because these really just don't feel true. I thought that I was choosing these songs to help you guys, you know, learn about the love of God, but man, I need it today for myself. And there was a moment in in the love of God, the the hymn, the love of God, where I just just broke down, weeping. It was one of those embarrassing cries, like where you like <laughs> ugly cry, <laughs> ugly cry. Like I I think I audibly sniffed in the microphone. It was just embarrassing. <laughs> but man, the church just took over, and it was just beautiful to hear this wonderful chorus of people who love me and know me and just sang for me in that moment and I'll just never forget it it was so powerful for me 
Yeah. I remembered it was great. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was great. Very special. <laughs> hey Zach, I think when we're, uh, especially when we're interviewing some of our staff members, it'd be fun to do kind of a, a rapid fire, stream yes. of consciousness questioning, yes. that kind of thing, and uh, that way she doesn't have much time to prepare, and we'll get Obviously. great I'm answers. You ready? So nervous. About classic gotcha so journalism. So good, man. so good. All right, you start, me start, whatever. All right, uh, favorite Sonic drink. Oh, Coke with lime. Uh, Sorry, that was... i got to get faster. Okay. Uh, favorite breakfast cereal? Oh, um, honey bunches of oats okay. with almonds. Favorite ice cream? I guess we're on food. Oh, uh, <laughs> uh, Reese's. Anything with peanut butter and chocolate. Okay, sorry. Favorite Netflix show? Ooh, um, 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 all of them. No. Okay. Friends. Friends? Friends. Friends. All right. Okay. Oh, okay. okay. Uh, I think I already know the answer to this. Best concert you've ever been to? Well, d- yeah. Taylor Swift Reputation Tour. Oh, so yeah. That's a good distinction. Yeah. Okay. Favorite fast food restaurant? Mm. I'm going to say, um, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm, um. F- quickly. <laughs> yeah. I'm, a, I'm ashamed. McDonald's? Yes. Okay. okay. No if shame. you don't, if you that's say fine. you don't like McDonald's, you're lying. Okay. <laughs> Very true. Last movie that you cried in. Oh. 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 Okay. I see. I don't actually watch a lot of movies. I really don't like movies. It's not a very long list. So I would say the last movie I cried in. I can't. Oh, The Notebook. I watched that the other day. Boom. Oh, Tears. Wow. The Notebook. Favorite nice restaurant in the city. Oh, we go to Charleston's a lot. Okay. All right. Uh, anything else, Zach? <laughs> <laughs> I think I just lost all of mine. Yeah. Any chance we could ever incorporate a, a rope swing into worship? <laughs> Our ceiling's a little too high. It would it, be hard to anchor. It That's would true. take. What a, was that? What was that thing that lift. Bethany Vero thought oh we were gonna do? <laughs> <laughs> this is the most embarrassing moment. We by for for people who don't know, we have a we use an app called Slack uh, that all the staff and interns are on. It's how we communicate with one another. And something got communicated over Slack on our worship planning channel that John could take from here. Yeah, well, Bethany was uh, is and just graduated uh, one of our senior interns and so she was going to preach. And I just I was being funny and I said, uh, "Bethany wants to make sure that there's going to be enough room on the platform for her to do her lariat tricks, her rope tricks with her lariat." <laughs> And Tamara did not spot my uh, sarcasm, and so I... she wanted to meet with Bethany. <laughs> <laughs> you don't. Do we have you can't, room? You can't see me, but my roots are blonde, <laughs> and I'm so gullible that I seriously, I texted, I texted back, and I was like, hey, Bethany, can you meet me like 30 minutes before service? <laughs> We can figure out how much room you need. <laughs> Turns out we did not have rope tricks during John Bethany's sermon. John called me on the side of the road crying because he was laughing so hard. I had to pull over. It was killing me. It was oh killing me. Oh, my gosh. That's fantastic. Uh, oh Tamar, so much fun just to be on the team with you. I really am led in worship because you. I feel like you're worshiping in front of us, and we just sort of joined you. in. But, um, we, it's, it's, it's an honor to be on this team. Uh, well, I mean... Well, thank you for saying yes. Loved being here all eleven years and never want to leave. Man, that makes me feel old. Eleven years. <laughs> you, are. Yeah, you are. You are pretty. Oh, God bless you. <laughs> uh.
Anything else, Zach? No, I think I think we're good from here. This has been the first episode of Unafraid, Faithful Conversations at OKC First. We'll catch you guys next time. Thank you.